You have Nighttime Economy, the podcast from 24-Hour Nation. My name is Randall White. Now in its third year and formally called 24 Minutes, 24-Hour Nation's podcast helps others see the economic and cultural nuances, challenges, and opportunities in our cities at night. In each episode, we talk with experts from around the world about trends, news, and best practices. In this Nighttime Economy episode, our guest is Michael Paul, Managing Partner for Optima Strategy Partners in Atlanta. What makes Michael's story relevant for other nighttime advocates is how his path took him from hospitality industry entrepreneur to neighborhood leader to political operative to municipal employee hired to strengthen Atlanta's nighttime economy at a time of economic, public health, and political stress, and then back out again as an entrepreneur free of the bureaucracies that many find maddening about government. What lessons can we learn from Michael's abbreviated term as Atlanta's manager of nightlife and culture? What is the most important thing anyone can do to create and maintain a well-managed and vibrant nighttime scene? Let's find out. Here's Michael Paul. I worked probably 15 years in restaurants prior to me sort of moving into the more of the space of advocacy and sort of thrust into leadership uh, from an industry standpoint. So really come from a, a fine dining background, have multiple certifications in, in wines and in spirits. Um, I call myself, uh, some, I, j- I jokingly call myself an intoxicologist. I <laughs> was able to in, in, instill a lot of that into staff and, and teaching them, you know, especially young people in college, it's a means to an end. And But you're here for a purpose, and that is to sell an experience and also to make money. So I was very good at sort of um, translating that that knowledge into making professional servers and, uh, and, and bartenders. But again, sort of thrust into leadership in terms of what I was doing with the industry, representing the industry in neighborhood meetings. Then I was involved in owning my own space and had to go through a process of approval through the neighborhood through MPUs, which is neighborhood planning units here, and didn't have the best experience. However, uh, because I was community engaged and wanted to figure out how to best work together and to make certain that you understand exactly what I'm trying to do and what I'm trying to bring to the community versus the re- reactive response that, that a lot of communities have. And that allowed me to then move into more of a community leadership position. I went from um, an owner in a neighborhood, uh, which is Castleberry Hill in in downtown Atlanta. I was the economic development chair for the board. I was asked to sit on that. And then I went from vice president of the neighborhood to president of the neighborhood. And during that time, there was so much going on down in Castleberry with uh, a CIM development. What's CIM? CIM is a a development company. And one of the Hawks ownership is an owner in CIM. I see. So all of the development. So yes. So from the Phillips Arena, which is now State Farm Arena, to the um, Mercedes-Benz Stadium, 
to this $9 billion development plan that they had to develop downtown over the next 10 years, to the Hard Rock Hotel, to the Super Bowl in 2018. I was involved in all of that from a leadership standpoint in the neighborhood, and then as well as a businessman in the city of Atlanta. And through all of that, I actually, not only being a president there, but I sat on the NPU, which is Neighborhood Planning Unit M, and I sat on the executive board of that body, which they have several different things, but land use and zoning, which has always sort of excited me in terms of development. I sat on that and then also uh, public safety. So you get a little bit of everything uh, from a business owner. Then you're then you're also a resident of downtown. You're a city of Atlanta resident. And then I have uh, friends that were city council members, particularly Michael Julian Bond, who's a great friend of mine and a great supporter. So during the time around 2018, coming out of the Super Bowl in 2019, I had this idea of creating something around nightlife. I didn't know exactly what it was, but I wanted it to support these agencies that seem to be disconnected, for lack of a better word. You're talking Um, about the municipal agencies? That's correct. Municipal agencies that were disconnected and also business associations, neighborhood associations, and really just be sort of a conduit, also assisting with public safety and, and some of their role, because their role should be enforcement and supporting the public in that respect versus some of the things that they have to do in their short handed on that, right? So I, I, I was uh, I had a great friend by the name of Meyer Dillard Smith, who's this phenomenal woman from the um, uh, city of Oakland. She worked with an organization that worked directly with the city. The city of Oakland and San Francisco was early on with their nighttime economy initiatives. She was always in, in, in the advocacy space. So she shared this information with me. We just met, we actually met at my cigar lounge uh, through a mutual friend. Um, and she, so she shares this information with me. So we start to delve into it. And essentially, we started to craft and work with a gentleman by the name of uh, Bernie Tokars uh, and craft this document, which became legislation that Michael Bond introduced. Now, mind you, at that particular time, uh, Andre Dickens, who is now our 61st mayor of, of Atlanta, was on city council. He, uh, Matt Westmoreland, who uh, is uh, has a famous grandfather, uh, was General Westmoreland, and Matt is a city council, a third-term city councilman here. But he and Andre, big supporters of mine, but because Michael was the uh, initial person that I engaged, and he was the elder statesman, mm. so to speak, on the council. He's the same age as me. I don't know what that means, elder statesman. Right. But uh <laughs> so we, we sort of we took it and the legislation was passed in February of 2020. One month later. Yeah, just um, in time for the pandemic. Right? Yes, correct. Correct. And uh, you know, unfortunately, the focus of the previous administration was not that of nightlife. It was pandemic, it was going back and forth with the state, with the governor as to how they wanted to function versus the state, the city wanted to function versus the state. And then we were in election year. So nightlife, let's just say nightlife became a pinch point during that particular mayoral cycle. 
The reason why is because Atlanta never closed during the pandemic. Ah, you know, Randall, so we really, we really never had. We're in Georgia, and I'm sorry, I I love this state and I love the city. We, we were we didn't even have a mask mandate uh, in this in this state. We never shut down. The, the governor allowed, I think, believe it, in June of 2020, he was like, we're open for business, which was great for the business owners, right? right. The city of Atlanta had different plans, but we're, right. you know, some people want to follow what the mayor says, but then if you have a business, you want to follow what the, what the governor says because a lot of businesses were, were shuttering during that time. So again, nightlife became a pinch point. Uh, I think Vegas, Atlanta, and Tulum, Mexico were open for business. And that's where people were coming. So during that time, we started to have a lot of um, uh, businesses running rogue because certain agencies weren't available to do whatever businesses were opening up. They were opening up based on what they thought they needed to provide to the city and state to be. Because there was no, it was, it was just total, um, what's, the, what's the word without being as negative as I can be. It was, it, it was, um, it was, it was a high level of inefficiency. Let's just gotcha. Say. Okay. Um, and, uh, people just kind of did what they did, uh, and opened up and then they were running road, running late night. And there was a lot of violence. You know, we attribute a lot of the violence to a lot of people coming in from out of state, not necessarily the citizens of this particular area that were involved in that. But fast forward into the, mayoral cycle and i was i've always been uh extremely involved from an advocacy standpoint so Maya and i have had this candidate forum uh that we that we sat down with candidates and invited people in to ask questions but it was really nightlife focused it was called straight no chaser right i remember having a conversation with uh with uh mayor dickens uh now mind you there was a runoff because he didn't have the, uh, I guess, the uh, 51% in order to move forward. So he and um, Council President uh, Felicia Moore, who was the other candidate, uh, I invited them for for this particular um, forum. Now, mind you, I'm asking him to do this on a Sunday in the runoff election uh, going to the polls on Tuesday. So um, he committed to do it. He says, man, I love you. But, you know, damn, okay, you know, <laughs> do we have to do it today? I said, we need to do something. We need to make a decision because nightlife is very important. The, the stakeholders are looking to you, um, you know, because we're behind you. You know, Felicia Moore didn't seem to be in, in, in the press, not a partner with nightlife. I don't know that to be true. I know her to be a different person, but how the press was playing it was like that she was not pro nightlife, nightlife economy. At any rate, uh, we did the forum and we asked each candidate, would they commit to doing something in the nightlife space in the first 90 days of their administration? And both of them committed to that, had that on tape. So the mayor gets in, we have a couple of conversations. I see him at a uh, uh, Georgia Restaurant Association event. And I um, looked to him and said, you know, what, 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 what's next? What are we going to do? I'm here to support. What can I do to be, you know, because I knew even the work that I did, I did, I did this work, um, Randall, but I knew depending upon who was going to be mayor, it may not be me. 
this was service to the industry and the city. So sometimes you do the work and you don't get, you know, to be the the the, the one to uh, to carry the torch. But fortunately, Andre is there, again, being a big supporter. He says, you know, you'll be getting a call soon. And I did get a call and um, I came on board uh, in the first quarter of the uh of, of the, the first quarter of the year of the administration in 2022 as the um, nightlife and culture um, person for the city of Atlanta, appointed by the mayor. It was exciting because I had done the work to position myself in a place where I could be, I could be effective and impactful. So yes, yeah, so I'm, I'm in a place where now I can, I can affect change. Right. I can, Go back, press a hard reset for those people that during COVID were looked at as bad actors. Now I can go help them to get into compliance. I can find out where, where the, where they missed the mark, what was done on their part and not done on the city's part. So now I can go back to the city and say, we need to get probably better in these areas here. Um, So just completely evaluating, right? I'm the, I'm the, I always call myself, even in the, in my new business, I'm the IQ. I identify and qualify, right? Gotcha. So, so um, what happened? <laughs> so um, myself being a, a I'm an, an eternal optimist, um, coming in and just thinking everyone is going to work together for this, this overall arching goal, right? Because everybody wants to work together to make the mayor look good, right. to make the mayor, you know, because everybody wants to shine in the new administration. But for me, I mean, you know, I'm the subject matter expert, right? So I'm more in an advisory role and I'm thinking, but you know, I'm, I'm here on the totem pole and I'm told what to do and when to do it. That's right. not what I'm used to doing. I'm used right. to getting things done as a leader in my family, as a leader in my community, as a leader in my industry, I'm used to getting things done. That wasn't what was supposed to be getting done. What was going to be done was, was, was uh, what came down the pike, right? Correct. What, what, what one may think needs to be done. So you have people making decisions that don't have any experience in a particular area saying this, what, this is what needs to be done. This is a fascinating topic because here it's a classic example. And I've personally had the same experience when the entrepreneur hits the brick wall of the bureaucracy and you realize that you're used to, you know, the the shit getting done crew. And suddenly you're in a whole structure that is afraid, almost sometimes mm, in a stasis because it has to be mindful of approvals and uh, um, acceptance and not being out there and being put at risk. So I'm very intrigued by the model of here is somebody, you, who was involved in the community, who was a business, uh, successful business owner, who was involved in, in this kind of relationship building between the business sector and the neighborhood sector, suddenly finding yourself in the world of politics and ascending and then bam, hits the brick wall fascinating first of all let me also ask i mean there'll be people listening to this going hawks who are the hawks 
the Atlanta Hawks, the NBA, the NBA franchise. Yes. I'm yeah. Sorry. I know that, you know that, but uh, it was like, I was talking with the nighttime economy manager in Nashville. And he kept referring to the Raptors. And I thought, you know, we better clarify for people in Europe, what the Raptors are just so they don't think this is some kind of derogatory term about, you know, angry neighbors or something. Right. Same thing with Hawks. And the other point I think I wanted to make the name of your cigar lounge is. <laughs> It was Habano's Cigar Lounge. And you don't have it anymore? You said was. No, no. Um, interesting enough, um, they had an offer two years in a row to buy us out. So what we did was, uh, I mean, literally, Randall, six weeks before the COVID shutdown, we sold the business. So everybody thought we were geniuses. I, yeah, I, told them, I, I didn't know idea there was a global pandemic coming. Right. And who the heck wanted to be in a cigar lounge blowing smoke in, in, the, middle of, <laughs> in the middle of a <laughs> well, well played, well right. played, <laughs> Michael. So, so, so tell me. So now you're in a situation where you have this incredible uh, landscape of relationships, and yes. you've started a new enterprise called Optima Strategy Partners. And yes. what are you going to do with it in the nighttime space? While I was in my position. Uh, because I worked for the executive branch, they didn't want me to speak or give ideas or have consultation with the legislative branch. So now as an independent business entity, right. now I can engage my legislative branch that are able to get more things done than we could have done on the executive side. Gotcha. So I'm using it as a business of advocacy. I think I maybe had this conversation with you earlier around actually developing a political path because we have the ability to mobilize people, votes, and to drive money in an area in which will benefit our, our, our stakeholders, our business owners and such. So now I'm doing more lobbying, more advocacy work. I'm working, continuing the work but doing the things that I really wanted to do. So that really is around public safety. Um, it really is around vibrancy. And um, we always talk about the old Atlanta versus the new. We we discount what young people are doing because, oh, it was different when we were younger versus us going and meeting in a, in a space where they can benefit from our experiences and we can learn how we need to move forward. It's conversation, it's it's engagement. It is, um, and it's also a way for, particularly for me as an older black man in this country, connecting with the younger black men. That there's a huge issue with with violence within that uh, age group or the younger age group of of African Americans. How do we address that gap? How do we address being able to talk with them about things that are affecting them? And moving them away from more of uh, more of the violent episodes, and you know, and I'm talking about being out at a. You could be in a venue or listening to music, and and the end result may be this versus in other cultures it may not be the same, right? So those are things that are concerning for me. Um, uh, Atlanta has a huge gang culture, um, but we can't we can't be. There's still our children. We can't be afraid of that. We need to be able to have a conversation and understand. Mm -hmm. You know the purpose of of them being in gangs, or why why are they why are they indoctrinated in in this culture so early? You know what are they missing? So 
and that's a whole nother piece, but it is, but it is effect, but nightlife is affected by that. Sure. Um, it is. Sure. It is. Is yeah. this something you, you're <laughs> going to also pursue with Optima strategy partners? I'm, I think I'm in that space already of being working in the public safety space and with, with organizations around, you know, violence and risk reduction, because I work with some great people in the city around that. That was another division that there was some upheaval around. Ah. And it was new, just like myself, just like nightlife was new. The violence reduction was new. They're lay people. They're going to be out and engaging. And it was different in the bureaucracy of how they wanted to roll that out. So Right, right, um, right. Yeah. Yeah. So, and yeah, that, I, somehow it's all got to work together, don't you think? Absolutely. And it, sometimes it takes somebody from the outside to find that path. And it sounds like you're wanting to step into that role. Is that a correct assumption? I would say so. Yes. I, okay. And, and, and um, you know, I've always been very, uh, I've always been very easy, like easy, like Sunday morning, Randall, right? <laughs> So I'm easy to work you know with. that song. I know that song. I'm not sure anybody else remembers that song. Well, let me ask you, and this will be this will be the last question I'll ask. I'm very intrigued by your response to this. What's the most important thing that you believe that Atlanta or any U.S. city needs to do to have a well-managed and vibrant nighttime scene? Uh, the most important thing is to actually do the work. The most important thing is to actually not talk about it, but put some action into it. It's just like love. Love is an action word. And it, it's, it, you can't talk about it. You have to, people have to feel it, right? So it's about getting the work done. We can have all these great initiatives and talk about this. And we can have these conversations with community. But if, if they don't see it in action, then it's all for nothing. And then what happens is, is we're really trying to rebuild the trust from a previous administration, you know, all we're doing is now two years in, what have we actually done? So what it is, is, and then it becomes, okay, it's the same old thing over and over again. People are looking for things to get done. And, and, and that's it, that's it. I think that's, that would be my answer. Are those who are trying to create and maintain a well-managed and vibrant nighttime scene in your city constrained by municipal silos, political egos, or short-lived programs that sound good but do not move the needle? Are the lyrics to other Lionel Richie songs now running through your thoughts? Well, let the music play on. This has been Season 3, Episode 2 of Nighttime Economy, the 24-Hour Nation podcast. Visit our website at 24hournation.com and follow us on social media to discover more about the people, programs, and possibilities for your city at night. My name is Randall White.